dribbles it out. And the celebration will begin. The Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. The first title in franchise history. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, The Reset, episode number 14. I'm your host, Danny Belts. The Mavericks are the new Nuggets. I hate LeBron James. Yes, that's the title of episode 14. We're going to have Tommy Bench come on at the end talking about peace in the Middle East, for real. We're still going to get semi-political and geographical as well. We have a lot to talk about today between Doc Rivers, the COVID New Orleans, to the COVID death rate to gun violence in New Orleans is just getting to be pretty comical. LeBron's legacy on the line versus the Nuggets. They are indeed uh, the new Dallas Mavericks. If you remember back in 2011, I have a sales story to tie into that. Four college picks. Uh, just getting a, a lot going on right now between the Big 12, the Pac-12, Governor Newsom of California, who once again is now, not only is he cucking, uh, he's lying. Uh, and I busted him. I can't find, of course, per usual, the clip in which I busted him, but I've had many friends actually text me. I, we'll get into that as well. Um, again, only Tommy Bench on Dickie Salvo had to cut out late. Let's get right into the nitty. Danny Belts loses all three college games last week, 0-6, coming into the NFL with four overs and hit the first three rather easily. Uh, they all soared over. I was correct. My theory there, we are going to kind of get away from pro one week. Let's see. I did have one pro bet. I have the Packers over 46 and a half. Actually, I bought a half to 46. Now it's at 50, so obviously that doesn't apply. The difference between 46 and 50 in pro is massive. Scores landing on 27, or excuse me, 47, 48, 49 are all very very regular scores. It probably still goes over, but I'm going to stick to college there. So anyway, we lost the Monday night over, which was kind of terrible. Daniel Jones, two turnovers in the red zone, both of them right there. Uh, goes, I think it stuck at 43. We had it at 47. It closed at 45. Not to make excuses there, but man, some tough losses in college too. Houston Baptist with that quarterback, Zappy, I was right about him. He goes for another 500 yards, goes nuts. A 40-point dog, they almost win. They lost by two. The game goes under because they couldn't convert a two-point conversion. How sad. Uh, three turnovers inside the five-yard line, including two of them being first and fourth and goals from the one-inch line, neither able to convert. The game went under. I got a great line there. We had over at 74. It closed at 80 and a half, beat a total by nearly seven points. I've continued to basically beat all these totals, but just lose. We had a heartbreaker in the first one. Southern Miss, Texas State went under. That was a travesty. I don't know how that managed to did, but it, it went under nonetheless. Can't dodge these. So three and seven on the pod. The worst start ever in September since dating back to when I was writing for the Sidelighters in 2013, putting out picks. I've never started off this piss poorly. There really is no excuse. Uh, it's just been bad. But you know what? I'm not going to change what I'm doing. Although I will say the Kansas bet was really stupid looking back, of course, retrospectively. Wow. Whoa, of course, Coastal Carolina ended that game in the first quarter. What an absolute disastrous, lackluster start for Kansas. And they just continued to just cuck as well as the Big 12. What a disaster. Arkansas State trapped. Ashes, Kansas State, Louisiana Lafayette, as drunk neighbor likes to say, ah, oh, the fallen. USL, <laughs> that's what I call it. My dad went there, goes up to Iowa State, makes them their daddy. 
um, completely cucks the Cyclones. And then Houston Baptist, a 40-point dog, almost wins outright at Texas Tech. They should just make the Big 12 the Big 2, get rid of everybody else, and maybe keep Oklahoma and Texas because it is just that was the most abysmal opening probably in the history of that conference's split. I don't, can't see it getting much worse than that. Paying teams almost a million bucks to come play you, and then they beat the piss out of you, take your money, and run. Gotta love that. Kind of like what Troy did to coach. Oh, speaking of which coach is out today, um, definitely running on the skeleton crew. Thanks for joining us once again. You know, there's so much going on right now before we bring Tommy Bench on to talk about some interesting points in the Middle East. I'm sure he'll have some good info for you for those non-sports gamblers out there. Let's just tee off right here. So right now, COVID, you know, this is this is really getting a little ridiculous. Let's just call balls and strikes. Let's put our political differences aside and just say it really isn't killing anybody right now. And right now, to date, there's more COVID, there's, excuse me, more gun deaths in New Orleans in March than there are COVID deaths. Check it. And there's actually more now gun deaths in September I believe it's 11 to 8 than there is COVID deaths in New Orleans. Let LaToya, the destroyer, the mayor, wants to keep it all shut down. And honestly, I I just don't understand. I don't get it. Clearly, it's just like Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go to the right. Clearly, Black Lives Matter, of course, but they seem to really matter more when a white cop takes one, regardless of what the past or the background of the guy is or what he's doing. Who cares about that? The main thing is that in this one, again, the agenda being the COVID deaths, there are no deaths. There's more gun, but the gun violence, again, black on black crime is way more important and way bigger of an eye opening statistic right now are breaking records in New Orleans because cops are retiring. They don't want to deal with the shit anymore. They, they're, they're disarmed. Police officers after 11 o'clock p.m. have to call dispatch and get approval from their superior, their, their authority to use their guns after 11 o'clock at night. Fact. They did it in the shooting in Lakeview months ago. They had to call and ask, can we defend ourselves? Can you imagine that? It's a joke. New Orleans is a disaster. They disarmed the police. LaToya, the destroyer, more gun deaths in New Orleans than COVID. But keep those masks on. Yeah, keep them on. That'll really save everything at the end of the day. Uh, Getting those masks on. Yes, no, not at all. You see uh, Doc Rivers once again chokes up 3-1 now for the third time. Doc Rivers is the definition of black privilege. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is. And everyone out there that goes, well, they hired Steve Nash. He didn't have to put in his time. Maybe he interviewed well. Maybe he had some good ideas. Maybe they think this dude can run this team. Wow, we're excited to have him with a couple of these players. <laughs> a very sought-after job given who's on that team, as we know. But no, instead, he got the job because he's white and it's white privilege. What's Doc Rivers? What has he done? Oh, he won a championship belts. Great. He did it with a bunch of free agents or two major free agents in their prime in Boston. He won one title, went to again, lost another to the Lakers. Okay. But then Clippers, he's done this before, especially in LA up 3-1 versus the lowly Rockets. And it looks like, you know, after the whole Zimmerman thing or not Zimmer loses his team, very weird precedent there. And uh, (laughs) he blows a 3-1 lead there, blames it on, God knows who he blamed it on that time. And now he's not taking any responsibility for blowing a lead versus Denver. Very interesting enough that Denver, now resembling that that Denver, that Dallas Mavericks team that came from nowhere, Joker being Dirk in this case, his team, just like it was Dallas's team, but Denver's different. Denver is way different. You bring a lunch pail to work, baby. This is not the normal team that you're used to seeing in the NBA scoring a ton of points. This team is rough. Blue collar, I hate to say it, they remind me of that Pistons team, that Pistons team with Larry Brown that was Really good for all those years. Won a title. Beat Kobe and Shaq. 
Uh, this team can play nearly in any pace, but they love to play slow. Down 3-1 versus Utah, pull out a couple gut-wrenchers, win that series, then go down 3-1 versus the outright favorite, the Clippers, and come back and win three in a row. That is absolutely unimaginable. It is unimaginable what they've done. And for them to be now playing the Lakers, almost as tough to overlook the East at this point now, but although they're two really good teams battling it out, as we know, in Boston and Miami. Two great coaches. And Spolstra, they don't sing the praise of this guy enough. Wow, look at this guy. He's been taking into the playoffs ever since LeBron left. And Stevens, I believe, to be one of the best coaches of all times. If you watch this, you know that. So I just, I've always had kind of a penchant for that guy all the way back uh, to Butler. But right now, this is a serious thing. Um, and again, not to go back and forth with them, but Doc Rivers should be fired, okay? This dude gets all-star teams. I'm sorry, I'm reverting. All-star teams, all-star teams, all-star teams constantly and does not win and chokes up these type leads. Uh, it's ridiculous. So before we go on the, uh, down there and saying, well, he really is a good guy, he really isn't, okay? He really isn't. I'm sorry. It's just how it is. They had a good little year last year without all that star power, but now you get that star power and you do this, sorry, next, next. Black privilege. You don't like it? Just go look at it. I mean, how long was Mark Jackson going to be coach for the for Golden State till they finally fired his ass? Remember, he was playing that dumbass white boy David Lee over Draymond Green, and he's like, it really wasn't my fault. Yeah, okay. I just did black voice. I'm sorry. But Mark Jackson, he's so terrible, too. Come on. We all know it. What's worse than him and Van Gundy chumming it up on that when they do the broadcast? It doesn't get any worse than that. I was just told that I think they get made fun of some by Rosillo and Bill Simmons. Good. Because <laughs> it's pathetic. They are the worst combination imaginable as far as I'm concerned. Just two lazy old school guys reminiscing of how they never won anything. Congratulations. So we get into LeBron's legacy here with the Lakers. Um, LeBron, three and six in the finals. We'll give him a mulligan on two of those. One being the first time he went to the finals with Cleveland. Remember that one? He, they dethroned the, the Pistons and LeBron basically won that one by himself. They had a guy named Booby on that team. <laughs> Ilgaskis. God, he looked like he stunk through the TV. You could smell that weird B.O. through him. Ew, gaskus. Disgusting. And Booby. And he basically took them to the finals. They beat the Pistons on his back. And they played. They ran into a buzzsaw, as you remember, in 2007, the 2007 Spurs. Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan in their prime with that bench. Not a chance. They got swept. We'll also give them a mulligan the first time they played Golden State. Not with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving both tearing their ACL. And I believe LeBron was forced to play with his number two option, a white boy from St. Mary's whose last name was Della Vadova. <laughs> Not exactly uh, the pedigree of championship there. And they gave him hell. They gave him all he wanted. I mean, um, Andre Iguagulia Gagulia won the MVP. Iguagulia, Julia Gulia won the series MVP. That's how ugly that series was. We'll give him a couple mulligans, but really this is going to come back to the 2011 Decision year, we all, I could go on on LeBron James forever, and I'm not denying how, I'm not denying his greatness prior to them getting hurt last year with the Lakers. He had been to the finals eight, eight years in a row. That is just unbelievably ridiculous in any level of sports. I don't care. It's not normal. It's not normal to win and that go to the finals that many times. It's, he's just a mainstay. Isn't it great to maybe not have LeBron in the finals, maybe, without woke Golden State, Steve Cuck? And Stephen Curry, Steph, it's Stephen Curry. I don't mind Clay Thompson. I don't even mind Draymond that much. I don't care. He's a, he's a monster. He's a little bitch. But LeBron James just continues to do everything that makes me just despise him. Politics aside, we can shelf that. I've been making people believers of this. When people say he is a great defender, I disagree. He is an average defender. Average. 
Um, he can guard one through four. Does that mean he's good? I can switch hit in baseball. I suck on both sides. Who cares? Doesn't mean just because you can guard a power forward or a point guard, you're good at it. LeBron's terrible on the basketball. And he gets caught in picks religiously. Just go watch the game. Look at it. And then my favorite is the LeBron arguing with the ref when he doesn't get not the call he deserves, but the call in, in his career that he just thinks is oh, it's owed to him. These calls that sometimes he doesn't get. You know, when he drives to the lane and goes, throws the ball up and trucks like six people, it should be a charge. He's never fouled out of a playoff game. That is impossible. As physical as he plays, that's all you need to know right there. But we'll continue to move on past that. LeBron is one of the laziest defenders you've ever seen in your life. And when he argues with these refs, he gives up a four on five on the other side of the court. He does this almost every game particularly late in the game. It's like he doesn't care. A four on five the other way in the NBA is a guaranteed open look. It might not go in, but someone's getting a good look. Unless J.R. Smith's on your team and he'll probably pull up from 37 feet, fade away, and try to kiss it off the glass. Probably goes in too. That guy's cucked me so many times. Trying to get the pipe. One of the best shirts ever. But in this case, we go back to that Dallas Mavericks series where we were all rooting for the Mavericks. Who was really rooting for LeBron there? Don't lie to yourself. You were not, especially after the decision and this prima donna nonsense. Nobody was rooting for LeBron. And to watch the Mavericks kind of will their way in there was great. Even Peja Stoakovic was like the 11th man on that team. Go back to Sean Stevenson, the Jet, Berea, who plays for Dallas still right now. Uh, They had a pretty decent little team there. Great deep bench, and they were able to flex. Uh, you remember in that series, you know, they won game one, did the heat. And then in game two, it looks like they're going to run away with this whole thing. And then Dirk does the impossible, stages this absurd comeback by himself. And then the, the Heat are making fun of Dirk later on, coughing next to him, you know, <coughs> making fun of him, insinuating he was blaming the flu or lying when he most certainly was not. He was playing with a fever and bawling. And Dirk asked his name on Mount Rushmore. As far as I'm concerned, he's being one of the greatest players of all times and willing that team to beat LeBron as we all rooted for Dallas. Make no mistake, we are all rooting for the Denver Nuggets. Acknowledge the Joker instead of, instead of Dirk, albeit they have completely different facets to the game. Watching the Joker play is insane. They run that high pick and roll through him. He is a seven-foot quarterback that you need to have a hand in the face at all times because he will pull out from 25 feet without even jumping and smoke that thing. Boy, is he silky smooth, and he makes it look really easy, really easy. His no-look passing, he resembles almost sometimes Pistol Pete with some of these no-looks from a seven-footer. His step-back jumper looks like that of Carmelo Anthony in his prime, just completely shoulder-squared to the basket, pulling back complete vision. Everywhere, his handles are insane for someone seven foot. He gets lower, he gets his back low, and he can really put that thing between his legs. And boy, can he yank that ass on a piece of yarn on a crossover when he has to. He is the complete player. Nothing we don't already know. Of course, he's not the best player in the NBA. I still believe that to be Kawhi in regard of what happened in the wake of their loss. It more or less will show the Joker's greatness right now. And they really don't have that many great players on that team. They really don't. They're extremely well coached, and they run that offense right through him, and it's the first seven-foot quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. And he has a chance right now to really put a a big skid mark on LeBron's legacy because make no mistake, Anadotians, listen to me when I say, this is the biggest series of LeBron James' life. That's right. Belts, there's no way that's... It is. It is. Because if he gets out of this one, they're probably going to win because the Nuggets are both... I think distinctly better, in my opinion. The Nuggets very well may have been the one seed over there, okay? And the Nuggets are a rough customer. I think they're better than the Celtics. They're deeper. I think they're better than Miami. I think they're actually better than the Lakers. They can win this series. We'll get into that in one second. 
my point being isn't just so much that it's LeBron's legacy on the line, and it is. Because if LeBron wins this one, although his championship record, three and six, he will have won now four titles with three different teams and not the Steve Kerr fashion, more of the he's doing it all himself, he is LeBron James, he's carrying them, um, you know, not like Robert Ory, very good players. But my point is that he will not have done this with Miami, coming back to Cleveland, albeit that was a miracle, and now with LA, and now that does put him in very distinct company. Matter of fact, it pretty much puts him by himself in that regard. We just get complacent, like I said earlier, with LeBron's greatness. To have been in the finals that many times, it's almost a mainstay um, for him to just consistently be there and be the man, and, and to win another one for the Lakers would etch his name on that Mount Rushmore, maybe even as the greatest of all times. I could make the, I could make the argument. Of course, I'm pretty slick at doing that. Uh, I could make the argument for nearly anything, for or against, because I have the, I don't know, I guess the aptitude to do that, because I tend to really know a lot about people I don't like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, nothing against the men. I, I know a lot about President Obama, read both his books, have him noted up, highlighted. We can talk about that all you want. <laughs> I know a lot about LeBron James. <laughs> It's pretty sad, but at least I can say I don't know. Uh, I know a lot about Mitt Romney. I hate his ass, too. So it's not just Republicans or whites or blacks. I don't care. Uh, It's just, you know, if I don't like you, I tend to know a lot about you. It's really weird. So if I know a lot about you and you know me, I probably don't like you. (laughs) The less I know about you means the more I like you, as weird as that may be. But don't make a mistake, like I said earlier, that thinking that this is not, this doesn't have the ability to change the scope of things is ridiculous. It most certainly does. Uh, and for the most part, um, if he does lose to the, Ma- to, to the Mavericks, to the Nuggets, this will change things. Now, I don't know how much free agency will change next year. LeBron's not getting any younger. He has a very good team around him right now. Obviously, another um, all-first team, Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the world, as we all know. But something tells me this, this goes a lot deeper than just the Dallas Mavericks series and you know, I do hate LeBron James so, so much. And if, even if you just put all of his idiocy aside, suing Alabama for the rights to the barbershop, thinking he could put the, thinking he could take over and get the rights to Taco Tuesday, saying that when asked why, you know, people voted for Donald Trump because people wasn't educated enough. He has the verb conjugation of that of a third grader. I could go on and on and on. Not the obvious ones like the decision. I could just continue to peel back the onion on this man's idiocy. Um, it just It's unbelievable. I'm constantly on full display on what he says and does. Lying about the graffiti spray painted on his all-white liberal woke neighborhood out there in L.A. Lie. Um, once again, Lie. Nobody checks him, not even talking about the Chinese insanity where he just wants to get paid and backs absolute ridiculous, not the nonsense that happens in China that we talk about way too much on this show. You know, concentration camps for Muslims and all this and child labor laws, animal cruelty, all the stuff he doesn't give a rat's ass about over here. He does, sure, but he's making that money. It just shows just the glaring, oh my God, it is so hard to like that guy. The people that do, though, are his disciples for life. They'll fight you over him. You don't want to see, but I'll fight over him. Fine. I don't care. A LeBron, a true like LeBron lover, him and I probably have nothing in common. Zero. And I'll gladly put uh, the mouthpiece in with you, meet you in Uptown, and beat the piss out of you in front of your own kids. How about that? But I will tell you that I think that this series, people talk about matchups a lot. I like to hear that. I think sometimes matchups don't necessarily apply as much as pro sports as they do in college, which we'll get into. 
Now, again, I still have a full-time job until I pick things professionally against the spread and do this podcast as my full monetary uh, keep for the year, then yeah, I guess I'm not exactly an expert on the matter. However, I will tell you that this matchup, for what it's worth, is a tough matchup for any team because you have a seven-foot quarterback. And what I mean by that is, if you haven't guessed, and I'm sure most of you know, is they run that offense through that high screen and roll through him. It doesn't have to be the pass. A lot of it, too, is pass pick away. They run great baseline movement. They're able to get a bunch of open mid-range jump shots because of that. And the deeper the joker gets when they run that, the more that opens up the outside game. I don't think anyone's better at playing inside out than the Denver Nuggets. I haven't really seen inside out played this well, maybe since the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash. Uh, as they would do that with Amari Stoudemire and even the the shorter but pretty effective down low Boris Diaw in his prime for Phoenix. They ran inside out as well as anyone probably could uh, as far as just Nash and all these other guys jacking wide open threes. Uh, Shannon Fry, I believe, and the like, just running that inside out that they did. Right now the Nuggets do that, but they settle for so much more than a three. Ball fakes, penetration, swing the ball. They pass it just as well as any team in the NBA. And right now they're a problem for anyone. Anyone, not just the Lakers. And they're going to have problems with this guy. And he wants to play the game slower. And he's unguardable. Albeit so is LeBron and Anthony Davis, but this guy's unguardable in a different way. He did something. He did, He does something. One of my friends says today, he goes, he likes to do this thing called pass. I said, what's that? You know, when you throw the ball to someone else in your team so they can score? Yeah, you just don't see it that much anymore in this particular brand of the NBA. How refreshing that we do see that with the Denver Nuggets. I think Denver's going to win this series. I'm not making that up. I really do. Right now, uh, for the finals, the West Coast, the Western finals, this is probably the biggest disparity I think I've ever seen in the West Coast finals. Even so much, I haven't seen one in a very long time uh, as far as maybe when the Mavericks were in the West Coast finals. But at that point, I think a lot of people must had them to win um, when they were there. But most importantly, and I guess not the uh, – the eyesore in the room, but the one thing that is the elephant in the room is the fact that the Nuggets are plus 470. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is 4.7 to 1. You risk 100 to win 470. The Lakers are a massive favorite. But what the Nuggets have shown with this absurd resilience they have is, one, no lead is safe. No lead is safe. They had a closeout game earlier for both the Jazz and especially the Clippers. They were down by like 30 points, 26 points. Mid-third, it's over. That's not over. Unbelievable. There's just no quit in this team. I love it. I know it's cliche, blue-collar, lunch-pail type team, but it is. It is refreshing to see this as well, as far as I'm concerned with basketball. You know, if I, as much as I dog the Big Ten and the Pac-12, which I'm getting to next, you know, really, um, if I had to watch, if I had to teach my kid how to play basketball, we'd watch Big Ten basketball. We'd watch Michigan State play basketball under Izzo. We'd watch Wisconsin play basketball. This is real. This is, to me, this is basketball. You know, you play defense, you, you, you covet every possession, you don't give the ball away, and you man up. You get up in that S, and that's how you play. You move. It's not this individual game. It's movement. It's passing. It's the best look wins, and that is how I feel you should play, and that's what the Big Ten does better than any conference in college basketball up and down to me, period, and it's refreshing to see the Denver Nuggets do that as well. I like the Denver Nuggets to win this series at plus 470. Here's the thing. You can lock in instant value here regardless. The Nuggets 5-1. to one. If they win game one, 
then all of a sudden the Lakers' odds will drop, and you can almost profit right there. But if the Nuggets somehow get up 2-0 or 2-1, the Lakers' line will then be, they might even be a dog or even even money at that point. You'll be able to bet your way through this because of the gap that is so big for the Nuggets to nearly be a 5-1 to underdog, which I feel right now is absurd. I feel that should be about plus 300, 3 to 1. You give me the better part of 5 to 1, risk 100 to win nearly 500. You have to take that. And there's so many ways you can hedge, make money to get out of this. And that's, that's a pretty good deal. Usually I don't like these series price because they don't, the equivalent doesn't, Matt doesn't value the end result. In other words, if you bet the money line every game for the Nuggets, you win more money than you probably would with the plus 470. Even if it went to seven and they lost three times, you'd still win because you'd only be losing 100 if you're betting 100. You'd be winning 250 times every time you won because it's probably plus 250 per game. A series price typically doesn't benefit the underdog. They do that on purpose. Uh, and it usually, I, only, I mean, like they say, you only pay juice when you lose, right? But it doesn't necessarily benefit the Lakers to lay that heavy number, like a minus five something or whatnot. whatnot. But I think that you're looking at a live dog here in this series for sure. And we learned one thing. It's never over with these guys. So don't discredit them or discount them uh, because <laughs> sure as it is, they're never out of it. Uh, and we look forward to that. And I really want to see the Denver Nuggets put a massive chink in the armor that is this LeBron James legacy. Uh, I don't want to see injury. I don't want to see anything befall into the man outside the court. He has a family, obviously. But I, it's in my best interest that Kobe, particularly Jordan, uh, are my guys growing up. And I, I want them to be those guys. And I want to see that not be LeBron James. It's that simple. Take all the other stuff out. That's my honest opinion. Being objective is humanly possible. I think I subject you enough on here as is. Quick time to pipe it in real quick. Be followed before we get into the picks, cuck of the week and white bitch of the week. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Danny underscore belts with a Z. Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Sports Antelope One. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Rate, subscribe, and review. Tell some friends too. We could always use that. Always use the bump as we're continuing to once again re- regain our identity, even though your your host here is three and seven ATS. Hopefully we can change that. I got four college picks for you coming up, but before we do that, White Bitch of the Week and Cuck of the Week for the first time ever are the same person. <laughs> Let's get into that. I can understand why you are so confused that I like abuse. Allow me to explain to you Hit it, baby. exactly what I am. I'm a cuck. Cuck of the weekend, white bitch of the week, go to the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. This guy is unbelievable. He has shades of Jerry Brown, former mayor. They used to call Moonbeam, excuse me, governor of California. And I mean, this dude is just shameless. Regardless of what side of the fence you stand on, let me fill you in. So the Big Ten, uh, excuse me, the, yeah, the Big Ten uh, led the cuckoldry circus as they're like, we're not playing because we want to be safe. Now they see that uh, that was a bad idea. So they come crawling back to the party, uh, begging to be invited. Now ESPN celebrates their cowardness by going, oh, look, they're back. Who cares? It doesn't matter anyway. Let's be honest. Whoever wins the SEC is going to play Clemson and the national championship for the unforeseen future. Okay, so let me just spoiler alert that one for you, Chief. No one gives a shit about the Big Ten outside of Ohio State, so deal with it. What about Penn State? What about your mother? So, well, idiot coach, too, in Franklin. Loser. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on that guy. Fucking social justice warrior. No results. Loser. So you win a few games at Vanderbilt. Many people have done that. Big deal. It's the best running back we've seen since Adrian Peterson, almost Barry Sanders. And you can't do anything with that? I told you Trace McBorley was a loser. Should have listened to, the, listened to your boy Belts, but no, no. If I'd have been black, you might have listened to me. <laughs> ah. 
I got to get Uncle Public on here, man. We need a brother on this show. It's been a few months. Uncle Public needs to come on and talk about probably how he loves probably loves Pitt minus the 30 this week or God knows what. I guarantee you he has Pittsburgh. But anyway, I'm sorry. Off on that tangent. Newsom basically said in the beginning, while the Pac-12 also cucked, they followed the Big Ten, a bunch of ludicrous cuckolds out there west. They, you know, they don't want to play football. But Newsom said that UCLA and Cal, USC and the like can't. It's not in the – no, COVID rules that he wrote, the rules, the unwritten rules of baseball somehow filter over there out west. And um, as he shuts down Uber and Lyft, oh, that's awesome Yeah, because it's got to keep it safe now. It's living a lie if you believe this by now. Unbelie- you'll believe anything if you believe that. Now, he's saying that, no, I never said they couldn't play. What? I sat there and listened to this guy talk about there's going to be no football. There's going to be no football, period, in the state of California. And that's a good part of the Pac-12, last I checked. What, Stanford? There's four or five teams there. So, I mean, what? And now he goes back and says, I never said that. They could have played all along. Now, the ADs are looking at him like, what? You said we couldn't. In April and in May, we emphatically said it. There'll be no college football. The Pac-12's been saying this forever. He is cuck of the week, and he is absolutely white bitch of the week. Thank you for winning that one, Newsom. You are just the quintessential cuck. And I know I'm saying that word a lot now, but you know what? It could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I keep hitting this desk with my hand. New microphone here is pretty sensitive, so I apologize. But let's uh, – I think it's about that time, boys. I think it's about time. Uh, Danny Belts straps on. He uh, – the old armor here, that was kind of weird when I said straps on something, but I think you know where I was going there. The armor, it's time to go to war. I've been getting beat up pretty bad. Um, has not been good for me to start. Uh, I'm trying to bust out of this funk. And the only one way to do that is just head first, right into the fray, to the last good fight I ever know. Live or die on this day. Live and die on this day. The Grey. What a great movie by Liam Neeson once again. And I don't believe he died in the end of that movie. I believe he killed every single wolf in that den and then went and found his daughter for the fifth time in Taken 4. I believe there was only three Takens. I don't quite remember. Got ripped off in a couple games last week. Thank God the NFL came through for your boy belts. Otherwise, it would have been even worse than it was. 3-7. and seven. Could be 0-10. Oh I don't know. College football yet to win a game. Oh, my God. Hopefully this trend will stop. And what a better way to get it going. Boston College, back to the ACC. We see right now Duke is overvalued for some reason. They stick around with Notre Dame. I'm not sure if they covered it. If they didn't, how good is Notre Dame to begin with? We don't know. One thing I do know is Boston College is going to be pretty rough this year. And now we have a guy, that a team that hasn't played yet. I believe they haven't. I could be wrong. Should have that in the notes, but I don't. But they're getting six and a half. I've seen six. I got it at six and a half. Haven't seen as high as seven or as low as five and a half. Six and a half minus 115 is the number that we had. We know stuff about Duke, not much about Boston College. I'll typically jump on the underdog every time in this situation. Uh, I do know all of a sudden preparing conference games early that love their coach. They've had a good, lot of good tape by this time to actually get a good feel for these guys. I'm not really an X's and O's gambler. You know that. More of a numbers guy when it comes to what the public looks at. This is pretty split, and that's a pretty evident number to me, but I think Boston College comes in here and gets the win. A bigger team, a more athletic team, I think they'll be able to run the football easily. And because of that, we like Boston College to win outright. You know we don't less an underdog, less what? I know, it's like a broken record. Less we think they can win. So we're taking Boston College plus a six and a half. Moving on. Two weeks ago, we saw the Naval Academy get drubbed by the Mormons, 52-3 to in Annapolis. Got to be the worst beatdown they've ever took, particularly at home. They've been so good early in the year, back in Coach Ken, his infancy. But right now, it's just 
It didn't look like it wasn't just the rhythm there. It just didn't look like they had the athletes to run what they typically do. The blocking assignments were terrible. But even when they hit their blocks, BYU seemed to just be there anyway. Tulane last week goes to South Alabama. I lost that game laying, what, nine? They won by three. <laughs> Their black quarterback, for he gets hurt. In comes the white boy for South Alabama, who torches Tulane for like 500 yards. Usually it's the other way around. When the white guy goes down, the quarterback you're betting against, and in comes the brother who runs on you, <laughs> like it's his job. It was kind of the reverse effect there. Um, South Alabama's going to be pretty good, but Tulane just kind of squandered their way to a win somehow. Kind of didn't even want to be there. Here they are on the road, down by 17 points. They turn it on, win the second half, 24-7, win the fourth quarter, 14-0. Really just put the lights out on these guys. Tulane now plays the Navy, and the public is on the Navy, and I should know that because I'm always on the Navy. But I just don't understand how in two weeks you're going to fix or right the wrongs that I saw versus the Mormons uh, on your own turf. Now you come in, although no one's in Yeoman, Latoya, the destroyer, the mayor of New Orleans, won that battle. There'll be no one in there, and there's really no one in there anyway. But Tulane now, a seven-point favorite at home. They're so much bigger and so much more athletic. And I really believe this dude, Howard, who missed a couple open throws, a couple big open throws last week. I look for him to make a strong rebound here. I think this might be a route. I thought Tulane would route South Alabama last week. They probably would have. Sunshine didn't come in. He started chunking that thing around like his dad's freaking life was on the line. But in this case, Tulane is a great favorite. I usually like Tulane as a favorite, not a dog. I usually don't take teams back-to-back weeks after losing, or I typically bet against them. But in this case, we're going to have to take Tulane minus the seven, and we're looking for them to throttle the Navy. Let's try to keep this as close as they can by possession. I'm just not sure Tulane's defense is built to where they can give up all these first downs, but the sheer size they have on the ends, and as young as the Navy is inside, this could spell disaster. And as far as them throwing the football, it's not going to be anything they're going to do. They've been shuffling quarterbacks around. They've been following their beat rider. I just don't think it matters. I think the better team is going to win the game decisively. Tulane probably by 14 to 21 points. Maybe even worse than that. It could be a rout. Let's move down to one of my more favorite conferences, baby. The, <laughs> the good old Sun Belt's been ruining everything. They trashed the Big 12 last week, as we talked about. And here we go. Southern Millionaires University now faces with North Texas. Two more underrated quarterbacks that I really, really like. You have not seen, you know, Texas, not underrated, as you know, SMU has. Um, the dude from Texas, his name is Gage Bochel from Texas. Uh, he's a baller. Kind of a weird game versus Texas State. He had last week a bunch of turnovers in the red zone. He cucked me. Uh, but they're going to be uh, putting up points, Southern Miss. North Texas, they're only one game versus our friends at Houston Baptist. Put up points on them. This offense can move. They can move. I don't know what quarterback they're going to go with. Probably Jason Bean, North Texas. But if they don't, you got Austin Oni, the white boy, who I believe also can run this offense. Bean being the better quarterback, uh, they'll probably go with him. I look for a lot of points in this game. Over, under, I've seen it as high as 69, as low as 68. We'll honor the high card on this one. Southern Millionaires University, that's Southern Methodist, against North Texas, the mean green. If these both these quarterbacks can really put it on, not much defense on the field, I believe. Over 69 points. We'll take that one. And for the fourth pick, Texas State. Just can't get away from these guys at some point against UO Monroe. UO Monroe kind of gave Army all they wanted last week for two and a half, three quarters. I love the quarterback, Colby Suits, another Texas boy. He's perfect, kind of shades of Colton Browning, the old dude from ULM that could really move the ball. A big white boy with an arm that can run the same thing um, with Tyler Vitt down there, the junior from Texas. 
who also plays for Texas State. Solid quarterback. He has shades of Menzel, the way he escapes out the pocket. Two really good quarterbacks in their own weight classes here. I think you can look for another high-scoring affair. I've seen this as high as 62, as low as 60. Kind of weird. I got it at 61 and a half. We'll honor that one. 61 and a half. Texas State, UL Monroe over. Quick recap for the Molly Music. Boston College, plus a six and a half. We like them to win the game. Maybe sprinkle a little money line, 20% of your bet, no matter what unit that may be, if you really want to gamble or not. But if you're gambling, may as well gamble to gamble. Tulane, minus the seven. We do like them, again, as a favorite here over a Navy team. We're kind of fading the Navy. I hate to fade teams. I like to bet with teams. But in this case, we're betting against the Navy. Look for Howard to have a big game. Man, those receivers are huge, and those corners look real small. They're going to need all the makeup calls they can get from these refs. Make no mistake, you'll get those whenever you bet against a service academy. <laughs> You're not going to get any calls. Trust me on that. Know that firsthand. Southern Millionaires University versus the Mean Green in North Texas. We like that in a shootout over 69. Really two good quarterbacks there we like, particularly, again, Justin Bean. If he can have the game, I think he can. They might hang around and maybe even steal one. We'll stay away from the spread. We'll stick with the total over 69. And lastly, Texas State, the Bobcats. With the really shifty quarterback and ULM with their shifty quarterback. They didn't show much last week in the second half versus Army. This is more or less a game I think they're going to show ass right here. So we like Texas State, ULM over the 61 and a half. And those are Danny Belts' four picks of the week. Let's hope we can get a rebound there because, boy, what a bloodbath I took. Jeez, uh, the last two weeks in college, just last two episodes, just really not my cup of tea, as you all know. Uh, let's bring on, I think it's trying to bring on Tom Bench, talk about maybe having some peace in the Middle East, and then we'll uh, wrap her up. Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope, bro. What's up? Not much. Just uh, just good to be back. First week of NFL football under our belts. That's always good. Get it? See what I did there? Belts, Danny Belts. Okay, good. A double entendre. I see that. It's a shame that, um, you know, the guys that were laying the points with the Eagles – uh, couldn't you guys lost to the Washington Washingtons the the wash the football team from yeah. Washington the yeah. Washington football team they beat you it was pretty embarrassing what was really embarrassing is even when my own mother I guess the the elder Mrs Bench if you want to refer to her that way even calls me on Sunday night to recap how terrible the game went. You know what's amazing about this game is I didn't watch much of it but I mean you know you got a stud quarterback you know my boy from. North Dakota State, Carson Wentz, he's running for his life. And like the drunk neighbor said, your best receiver is a quarterback from Houston, Greg Ward Jr. <laughs> Fact. Fact. This is not this is not good. This is not good, my friend. No. No, it's not. And and our offensive line. It's dog shit. Dog, dog shit. And especially, I, I mean, you got three guys that potentially, or I believe it's at various points in time, have been pro bowlers. Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, and the center. Uh, actually, I don't know if the center has been a pro bowler, but he's he's definitely of that caliber. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's like it's impossible for them to block a pass rusher. It's like it would be easier to achieve peace in the Middle East. Wait. Oh. 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 Ooh, is this what's known as a segue? Yeah, go ahead, Chief. So let's let's hey, talk let's about hit. let's talk about the impossible. But before you do that, can we definitely agree that your offensive line is it's offensive. Thank they're you. they're okay. offensive. Go ahead. Their, their performance is offensive. Awful. And not in a good way. So back to the unachievable peace in the Middle East. And I know 
we got a few of our faithful fans and and for the faithful fans thank you thank you for sticking with us and of course rate review subscribe and to those who are making a contribution we do appreciate that just want to say thank you if anybody else is interested you can go on anchor and support the podcast in a monetary way not asking for it but just letting you know it's out there and we, we appreciate had a few people come through there we, we, had a few we people come through there we appreciate that we do Hey, pretty soon we'll be able to pick up our podcast and move it to Nashville like the Daily Wire, just like them. Hey, hey. All right. Peace in the Middle East. Okay, here comes Tommy Bench with another one of his MAGA, MAGA, MAGA 2020. Trump deserves all the credit because he's so great and he's the best thing since sliced bread. Wrong. Better than sliced bread. Sliced bread is terrible. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. All right. For, for, for those who maybe don't pay as much attention to what's been happening on the international stage. Uh, peace agreements have been reached between the state of Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. And then there are some other uh, slightly different agreements between uh, Kosovo uh, and drawing a blank on the other country's name should have had uh, Serbia. Boy, that's a shame. All right. The point is, but the two big ones were the UAE and Bahrain signing agreements to recognize the state of Israel. And a lot of people are going to hear that and think, it's not, it's not a big deal. Who cares? There's two small countries on the Arabian Peninsula uh, that don't really wield that much influence, and it's not like they were attacking Israel anyway. What people need to understand is for the 70 years since the existence, the, the uh, formation of the state of Israel by the UN post-World War II in the late 1940s, the policy position of almost every member nation of the Arab League was to pretend like Israel did not exist. They would not refer to it in formal government documents. In many countries that were in the Arab League, you could not travel directly from Israel to that country. You were barred entry if all you possessed was an Israeli passport. It, it, they literally pretended like it didn't exist. It, it would be like if we pretended Canada didn't exist. And there are times when I'd like Canada not to exist because it's Does just it's, really it's, it's, it doesn't really exist? it's just like that annoying little brother that you have that just won't shut up and go away and acknowledge that you're the only reason anybody knows who they are. If we're being honest about Canada, eh? Tommy, so, I'm sorry, I got to stop you in tracks. Who is a bigger cuck, Beta O'Rourke? Or Trudeau? Oh, this Trudeau. Real question. Real Trudeau question. by a country mile. Oh, wow. by a country. Holy because he's God. he's Angela Merkel's girlfriend. So, uh, I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's an embarrassment to the to leaders on the Western civilization. Dale, Dale. If, for those who don't know what that's about, he has many pictures floating around of him in brown face singing that song from whatever play that was. All right, let, 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 let's get the proverbial horse back in the barn here peace in the middle east so these countries decide hey we're going to sign peace agreements with israel we are going to recognize them formally as a country and of course all the the people in favor of this and who are trying to make the most hay and portray what a great deal this is are pointing out facts such as now uh hotels in the uae are going to start offering kosher menus which is i i just it's like unheard of right uh in bahrain they played the Israeli national anthem from um, one of their well-known uh, cultural sites. So it's just all these little things to really show, like, look, this is pretty serious. Okay, so is this all mega, mega, mega 4D underwater chess? Trump deserves all the credit. No, 
I think there are elements. I mean, he. I think he saw an opportunity and a stage that was set. Okay, how was the stage set? I believe it was set in the prior administration, and this isn't that far of a stretch, when they were doing everything they could to try to bring Iran into the world nations, granting every concession at every turn to say, okay, we just we want you to be part of the community of nations. Okay, we'll sign a terrible nuclear deal. Okay, we'll ignore your continued state funding and being the largest sponsor, state sponsor of terrorism throughout the world. We'll ignore the fact that you bully all your neighbors, that nobody really likes you, that you're essentially a proxy for Russia, and that Syria is a proxy for you, creating all those problems and all those wonderful places. And, and we'll just go along. Well, I think a lot of these smaller Arab nations and principalities and and essentially other extensions of Saudi Arabia, but that's for a later time. But a lot of these smaller Arab countries looked at that and went, if our options are get on board with Israel or get on board with Iran, and the United States seems to be going through a bit of an isolationist phase in both parties, I mean, both political parties, the Republican and the Democrat Party right now, are functioning and portraying a much more isolationist tone, really unseen since about the 1930s, which, again, separate argument for a separate podcast, whether that's good, bad, where it should be applied, how it should be applied to international geopolitical affairs. But it's happening, and other countries can see this. And so I, I think you essentially had these Arab countries that were like, we're much more willing to deal, sign on with Israel, knowing that the United States is never going to walk away from Israel especially not the current president. And if he were to get reelected, that policy will likely remain unchanged. So therefore, we as an Arab state and a Sunni Arab state, looking at our options of aligning with the Jews or the Shia, we choose the Yudin. Let's go get on board with them. <laughs> and, and, and I would not be surprised. And in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a prediction. I, don't, I guess this is what you call a futures bet. If Donald Trump is reelected, before June of 2021, Saudi Arabia will recognize Israel as a nation, which they to date have not done. So there you go. Bold prediction. I, I would almost go so far as to say you can take that to the bank. And it, it, it really is interesting. What, what if the dominoes continue? And by the way, once Saudi Arabia does it, all the other Arab countries that, are, that haven't will do it very quickly if they're not proxy states of Iran, such as Yemen Syria, Lebanon could be a toss-up. Uh, that, that could go either way, depending on uh, the stranglehold the terrorist organizations have in that country. Um, but it's, it's just, it's interesting to watch something that at any other point in time, had any other president achieved it, would be widely heralded as a good thing. And it's interesting to see everybody go into their respective corners and say, well, here's why this isn't that big a deal. And that's, look, that's the right wing um, neocon uh, hawkish viewpoint of, well, just, you know, this isn't that big a deal. We still need to be very involved and dominate the Middle East with our policies and everything. And then, of course, the more, you know, left wing pro Palestine viewpoint of, well, everything has to be done through the lens of how it affects Palestine. And the current administration said, here's a crappy situation, but we see an opening. Let's try to exploit that opening and achieve something at least different. Look, time will tell if it was good or bad, but it's different than the policy that's been in play for the last 67 years. Interestingly enough, side note, 
in terms of countries and nations and entities that have recognized the state of Israel and its existence, the Soviet Union did it in 1948. The Soviet Union, the evil empire, the, the bedrock of communism and Lenin and Marx and socialist, they were willing to acknowledge the state of Israel. There are elected officials in Washington, D.C. who do not recognize the state of Israel as having a right to exist and being a nation state. I do find that ironic. Just thought I would serve that up on a silver platter here on the sports antidote. We'll, we'll just call this our uh, world affairs segment of the sports antidote. I think it's great. I mean, obviously, Alien Omar is one of the people you're talking about. That is recognizes that, right? Fact check so, true. That's that's who I'm referring to. Sheeta Talib also. Yeah, that would I mean, be another. Got to be fact check true. Mindset has to be right there, right? Obviously, right. Of course, of course, it's all Palestine. It should all be Palestine, and the Jews should all be driven out. And we've never had any poor examples in history of where Jews were mistreated. How are you a Jew in voting for Joe Biden right now? I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't well, it's it's the whole cultural versus actual practicing uh, Jew. So right. it's the same thing with a Catholic. I don't if you're if you are a practicing Catholic, I don't know how you I get should, there. Wait, hold on, wait, hold on now. Don't don't piss on the Catholics here. We have a lot of as I know, as somebody who grew up Catholic, I was an altar boy. Confirmed, baptized, first Holy Communion, the whole bit. Mom's still the organist at the Catholic Church that I grew up in. Um, I, I don't say that lightly, but it, but what I mean is, it's the difference between somebody who quote identifies as Catholic versus somebody who's culturally Catholic versus somebody who's a practicing Catholic. A and I don't know, I don't know how you get from A to B on certain issues, but but that's that's getting a little touchy here. So we'll let's not get too touchy, you know. Not to be too touchy, as far as touchy they were with your quarterback. And who do the Eagles have this week, by the way? I'm a terrible you fan. Get, you guys are going to get smashed. doesn't matter. Anyway, Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the sports end. Let me anything you want to close with? Very, no, just – uh lightning segment on the Middle East, and obviously Palestine does not belong to the Jews. Duh. Of, of course. I, I, I really do enjoy arguing with people about that. And, and they'll just they make a flat out statement like, well, Palestine should be its own country based oh, on sure. based sure. on based on what? <laughs> and then they can't give an answer. So they just hem and haw and suck their teeth and call you stupid for not agreeing with their position, which is out, outstanding. And then I ask, well, how many of you lived in a majority Arab nation for 14 months? And nobody's oh. hands go up. But <laughs> no one. No one. How many of you speak any phrases in Arabic? No one. But anyway, we enjoy being on the Sports Antidote. Just want to thank everybody. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and uh, look forward to hearing back from our faithful Antidotians. All right, bro. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. All right. Out here. Always good to have Tommy Bench on the show. Once again, follow me at Twitter at Danny underscore belts with a Z. Follow the podcast, please, at Sports Antidote 1, Twitter, and then at the Sports Antidote on Instagram. Antidotions, thanks for joining us today. Rate, subscribe, and review. Next week, interesting show next week. Uh, we're going to start having some interviews again, have some 
couple wild cards up my sleeve. Kevin Dombrowski, the comedian, is going to come back. Hopefully, Gino Bisconte. I was just on their show a couple weeks ago on In Hot Water. I've been in touch with him. It'd be great if he could come on. He is about as anti-woke, anti-PC as it gets. That will be a rated X interview. Hopefully, he can come on. Next week, uh, some interesting games coming up. We'll be talking a lot about that. Don't forget about the Denver Nuggets getting that almost 5-1. to one. We're going we're gonna to want to get that in there. Jam it in. Don't worry about it. Just stick it in and pull and pray, right? That's how they do it, I think, until you get a kid. Anyway, once again, boys, I'm your host, Danny Belts. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode 14. The Mavericks are the new Nuggets. I hate LeBron James. See you next week, Anadotians. <laughs>